0: Move over baked feta pasta. There's a new baking trend taking over the internet, but what exactly is it? Plus, which celebrity might be opening a new restaurant, and what Gemma Stafford, who is obviously Irish, has to say about green foods during St. Patrick's Day. This and more on this week's episode of Need to Know. Need to know where each week we're serving up all of the hot takes on the latest baking news, gossip, entertainment, and online trends, fresh from the oven. I'm Mia Brabham, host, entertainment expert, and Trader Joe's super fan. And today our special guest is Brian Hart Hoffman, who's the editor in chief of Bake from Scratch magazine. He's a pastry chef and baking extraordinaire, and he's Gemma's BFF. Be sure to subscribe, rate five stars, and review wherever you listen to podcasts, or like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Now grab some breakfast, bake as you listen, or pour yourself a cup of coffee or tea because here's this week's trends hot from the oven. So I don't think it's a stretch to say that Chrissy Teigen is one of my favorite celebrities ever. So I want you to imagine me falling to the floor when she posted an Instagram photo hinting at the possibility of opening her very own market or restaurant in Beverly Hills. The model and two-time cookbook author poses in an empty restaurant kitchen with a caption expressing how she's been looking at properties in the area and has big mysterious plans for the future. She also recently posted a photo of a chocolate frosting sheet cake from her third and upcoming Cravings Cookbook. So hopefully there'll be a bakery element at what I'm hoping will be a craving sit-down dining experience. Also, Chrissy, if you're listening to this, please come on the show so we can talk about our shared love for McDonald's. Thank you. So in other news, dinner is out, but breakfast is in. At least, you know, according to TikTok. The feta and tomato pasta trend has had its time and now baked oats have stolen the viral spotlight. The oats are blended into a flour-like consistency then placed in an oven-proof dish with egg, baking powder, vanilla, mashed banana, and your choice of milk, oat milk, duh, before being topped with anything your heart desires. This means chocolate chips, berries, anything you like. Is it porridge? Is it cake? Is it both? I don't know. What do we think? Either way, I'd eat it for breakfast or lunch or dinner. Speaking of maybe cake, Don Foods put out their predictions for 2021 cake trends, and they're saying that this year chocolate cakes will be darker and richer than ever before. They foresee bakers turning to ingredients such as black cocoa powder, activated charcoal and richer fudge. To be 100 percent transparent, I've never used charcoal in anything other than a spa face mask or, you know on a charcoal grill. So I looked it up to see what it means as a present to you and to me. First off though, black cocoa powder is simply cocoa powder that's been heavily Dutch, just like the outer cookie of Oreos, which is my favorite. Activated charcoal is a potent detoxifier that does everything from preventing hangovers to mitigating the side effects of food poisoning. But it's also worth noting that it's not currently a product regulated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. So it's kind of a controversial ingredient. I love a good controversy, so I don't know. I can't wait to see what Gemma has to say about all of this and Brian Hart Hoffman too. In commercial news, Reese's is introducing its new organic peanut butter cups this month, available in both dark and milk chocolate. For those of you wondering, organic doesn't necessarily mean something is healthier or more nutritious, sad face, but it does mean that the product contains fewer pesticides, is fresher, and the farming process is better for the environment. One thing that I absolutely cannot get over, though, is the brand manager of Reese's Organic saying that they're, quote, continuing to expand our product line so there's a Reese's cup for nearly everyone, end quote. If this is true and you're listening, Eric, I want a Lady Gaga Chromatica Reese's stat. What else can go in your Easter baskets this year besides Reese's organic peanut butter cups? Peeps. Duncan Hines just released a Duncan Hines and Peeps baking kit so you can make fun-themed brownies or a springy cake covered in the adorable and delicious marshmallowy goodness. Also, Peep this. Build-A-Bear now has a line of stuffed animal Peep bunnies. Yes, you know what this means. You can now eat the marshmallow treats and cuddle with them, too. Speaking of holidays, with St. Patrick's Day coming up quickly, we've got some frappuccino news. Every year, McDonald's shakes things up wink, with a shamrock shake, but some people are arguing that the Starbucks secret menu Lucky Leprechaun Frappuccino is actually where it's at. The drink is a matcha green tea cream frappuccino with peppermint syrup, java chips, and a layer of whipped cream at the bottom and top, as well as caramel crunchies for a sprinkle of gold. We love a little healthy competition, but what is the best way to celebrate St. Patty's Day when it comes to food and baking? I think we need an expert for this. So we have the perfect one for all things Ireland. She's here in all of her incredible wit and wisdom. Please welcome professional baker, host, cookbook author, and bigger, bolder baking creator, Gemma Stafford. Hi, Gemma. Hi, Mia. How are you? I I am great. Um, I'm not going to lie. I want to get straight into it today because I'm very, very excited to ask you this. So I have two words for you. Shamrock shakes. Have you ever had one from McDonald's? (laughs) And how do you feel about the way that the states celebrate St. Patrick's Day with like green things? What is that?
1: So that's a good question. What is that? Um, You know, (laughs) First off, I've never had a shamrock shake. I don't ever intend on having a shamrock shake. I don't even know what flavor it is. I know it's green, but um, we don't sell those in Ireland. I just want everybody to know that that doesn't exist in Ireland. Uh, You don't go into a McDonald's and you see a shamrock shake. So it's only something that I've uh, seen since I've been here. Um, I've never had one. Don't ever plan on having one. We don't generally do, uh, like dye stuff green for St. Patrick's day. We, um, we just, you know, we have little shamrocks and we we're young. We used to have little shamrocks, uh, uh kind of attached to your jacket. We would uh have like traditional food, corned beef and cabbage. Mm. But you know, we, we weren't, you know, there wasn't this like, you know, pinch somebody if they're not wearing green. Like we never wore green. We we were all Irish. So <laughs> you didn't have to <laughs> uh, you know you didn't have to like pretend like you
0: were <laughs> Oh, it's funny because I did also just mention that I love McDonald's um, in Hot from the Oven, but I've never had a shamrock shake either. They don't look very good to me. I don't I don't know why. Um, But I mean, it's funny. Sorry, say it again. Is it peppermint? I think it's peppermint. I'm pretty sure it's peppermint. Um, And they do like the whipped cream on top. Uh, Yeah, it's vanilla peppermint and then whipped cream on top. Um, I've never had it. But that is interesting to see that because in different countries, different McDonald's have different things. I remember going to London and just being so I was I love mozzarella sticks and they had mozzarella sticks at their McDonald's in London. And I was like, why
1: don't we get that? That's so funny. Anyways. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? But anyway, I know that. Yeah. I know in Asia, like that they would have like in Japan, they have like, they might have like ramen or something in their McDonald's. Like I know that in Asia, especially that they have very like unique, different menu options, but, um, no, in Ireland, you get like Big Mac, you know, a happy meal. I have to say, I haven't, I haven't had McDonald's. I know, I think I remember The last time I had McDonald's, I used to always eat it when I was in my 20s in an airport because I would be a bit of a nervous flyer. So I always used to eat and drink to make myself uh, feel better. So I would um, drink coffee. I (laughs) would... Uh, get a Big Mac and fries uh, before a flight and I I know that I got that now 13 years ago when I left Ireland to come to the US
2: and wow. I don't know if I've had a Big
1: Mac since then but I have to say if somebody put a Big Mac in front of me I probably would go to town on it just saying <laughs> Kevin are you there we need a Big, a big Mac stat. Kevin we would like one Big Mac please <laughs> thank you that's oh, so and, cool. and, a, and a chocolate shake, chocolate shake, and, and I've said this before: chocolate shake and French fries. Oh, yum, 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 oh yum! Oh my yum.
0: gosh, so good. That's so cool that it was at such a pivotal point in your life, like food memories. That's why we do this. That's so cool, and that's funny you say that too, because my flying comfort food is McDonald's. I Is always it really? had it before I do a flight. Yeah. But now this has just become a McDonald's show. We gotta get back to St. Patrick's. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's but, bring it back. Um, so you you spoke of, you know, corned beef, uh, and cabbage. Are there any other, you know, traditional Irish fare dishes, um, baked goods that you like to have for St. Patrick's Day? Like how do you like to celebrate?
1: You know, I am um, uh, so a lot of My favorite dishes and people ask me, like, what's your favorite dessert? And I always go back to stuff that I grew up on. And I think we all do. It's going back to that, like, moment in time, that food memory that really strikes a chord with you. Um. so things like even like Irish soda bread, but desserts like my mom used to make, like Eve's pudding, which I have a recipe in my book. And all it is is sponge and stewed apples underneath apple crumble. Uh, apple tart rhubarb oh crumble gosh. like things like that just they do something they feed my soul you know what I mean mm. they don't just feed my stomach but they feed my soul and they make me feel really good so I still to this day when people say like what's your favorite dessert I'm there I and I feel like I'm expected to say something really lavish and extravagant and kind of out there it honestly is pavlova that my mom used to make a a cheesecake that my mom used to make with a jello tablet like oh my god, kind of i know it sounds crazy but uh she used to make this cheesecake and it was made with a jello tablet no real lemon in it and uh it was absolutely delicious and still to this day i would like throw down for sure Oh my gosh. On that and on
0: the Big Mac. Love it. Yeah. Love it, love it. Um, so switching gears a little bit, have you ever used black cocoa powder or activated charcoal in any of your recipes yet? Activated charcoal? I know. What? I'm like, is that? Can we do that? Is that a but thing? Yeah, a, who's lot doing this? Do- a lot of people are a lot of people are doing, doing, doing it. Like at when Coachella, you know, was a thing uh, a year ago people were doing like there was stands that would do charcoal ice cream and people were doing like charcoal cookie cookies and cakes Uh and, that's a big thing now, but it's controversial because uh, the FDA, like it's not really like they haven't approved it. So you can have it in small amounts, but you're
1: not, yeah. it, it's kind of scary. Cause it's like, if you're getting it from somewhere, how much are they putting in? You know, I've seen charcoal ice cream. I have to say, I'm not a fan. I'm a little bit traditional when it comes to my desserts. I like my mm-hmm. cookies to be like, have chocolate chips in them. I don't want bacon fat and like cayenne pepper. I like mm-hmm. my, my sweets to be sweet and my savory to be savory. Yeah. And um. Coal does not make its way into my world of desserts. I I just wouldn't be a fan. I have actually seen coal ice cream now that you mention it. Um, Black Mm -hmm. cocoa. I I know you're talking to Brian Hart Hoffman today, and he was (laughs) the one that turned me on to black cocoa. So Uh, I've ordered it online. I haven't gotten it yet, but I'm really excited because um, as Brian described it to me, it's that kind of. That black dark chocolate that you get from like an Oreo. You know, the Oreos are so mm. black. And, and it's a different, it's a different flavor profile. He says mm. that that is what it gives your cakes and your cookies and whatever. So I'm super excited to try it because um because I, I love that flavor. But I I, I can't believe I, I've come this far in my career. I've been working as a professional chef now for 20 years and I have never come across I don't even know I'm sure I've eaten it but I've never made anything with black cocoa powder that I'm just learning about it now at this stage in my life yeah what do you think you'll make first with it do you have any ideas yet lined up you know I you know my um chocolate chocolate my best ever uh, chocolate cake on the website, I would say Mm -hmm. that is a definite must for the uh, cocoa powder. But then also I would like to try, I do have recipe for homemade Oreos. I would like to try that. And probably, you know, um, the kind of, I have them, they're called called brownie cookies on my website, but they're those lovely uh, kind of triple chocolate cookies that like are, are pretty much a, a brownie masquerading as a cookie when you bake them just right and you eat them fresh out of the oven it's just those guys that's what would be absolute like black uh, cocoa powder would be killer in those guys oh my gosh i want it now that's so i'm already percolating like what i'm going to what i'm going to eat and what i'm going to use it in
0: yes oh my gosh i love that um also speaking of new things um well i guess it's not really new but baked oats are going viral on twitter yeah. right now or on, on tiktok um do you think you'll be creating your own kind of spin on this people are making like cakes out of them but they aren't really Wish. like I, I don't know if they're cakes like it might be breakfast porridge like you know it's, it's like oatmeal but it's also like cakey because people put so much chocolate on it that it's yeah. almost like it reminds me kind like of like your mug cakes honestly but it's funny. Baked bait. oats,
1: yeah. So I have, somebody sent me a link the other day to it. If, if somebody doesn't send me a link to these things, I have no idea what's going on. But I have <laughs> heard of baked oats. Um, it made perfect sense to me when I saw it. I was like, okay, so you have your overnight oats, now you have baked oats. Like, I wonder what they're possibly going to do next. But um I think i I think I will try it i'm I, I, I'm curious, even though it's not rocket science. I have not seen um people make cakes, anything like that out of it, so I'm curious about that. I've just seen it in a dish with raspberries and and uh, and some other toppings. but yeah i i'm I'm curious. It's funny how these trends uh like take over the internet you know it's it's funny we have a mug cake so when i saw this the first thing i thought of is that we have a banana bread mug cake recipe on our website and it's um blended oats bananas oh and blueberries uh, i think that's all it is maybe maybe a little bit of maple syrup something like that and you uh it's ground oats did i say that you pop it into the microwave a minute and it's absolutely insane. But I was thinking when I saw the baked oats, I was like this is way better than the baked oats. Like that little mug cake, like maybe yeah. I should, you know, pull that out of, you know, my repertoire, dust it off and like make another video of that because it, like it's so tasty.
0: You really should. It sounds like a lot of the ingredients that people are putting in, but it also just sounds like you said way more delicious. But people do come up with creative ones on TikTok. Like I saw a carrot cake one. And I was like, I would have never I thought of those, those. Yeah. yeah very send me a
1: link of those, Mia. I, 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 honestly, okay. I can't get my head around TikTok. I don't even know where to go when I get on it. But, Good. Um, yeah. You'll get send, sucked send in for
0: days me. and you won't come <laughs> I out. So. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. That's what I said, Gemma, when I first started. And now look at me literally weeks later, just yeah. one time an hour went by and I was like, what did I just do except scroll? Um, but what's what's new with you? What's new with Bigger Boulder Baking?
1: Well, um, you know, we had a busy day here yesterday. We shot a segment uh, for uh, Dr. Oz with some <gasps> of my microwave recipes. Yes. Um, and uh, he was just highlighting microwaves and, you know, how how versatile they are. The You know, the, the, the variety of recipes you can make in a microwave. So we made my three layer chocolate cake and my uh. burrito in a mug. And we were up, Mia, check this out. We were up yesterday, all of us george kevin and i four thirty in the morning because it's in <gasps> new york yeah they shoot in new york oh, and they shoot early so we were God. up at four thirty. we shot our segment around six o'clock in the morning um it was a very very early morning but george was a trooper he was in the back of the house with kevin he didn't say a word he just sat there he just knows when he has to be a good boy he just knows to be quiet but um so that will be airing, I think, in April sometime. So we'll definitely push mm. that out on social media and let everybody know. But uh, it's fun. It's a, it's a. It was fun to. I've done Doctor Oz before a good few years ago, and um, mm-hmm. it was fun to to do it again. Oh,
0: I can't wait to see that. That's going to be so fun, and I love. Oh, George! I can't wait till he starts to make like little
1: appearances if he does. But I know I'm going right? to be very excited to see that. Yeah, so that's, I'm really looking forward to that day that he can like stand up in the kitchen beside me and like. Uh, help out
0: yes oh can't wait um but thank you for coming and thanks for chatting through all these crazy things like activated charcoal and whatnot um but (laughs) right after this we're going to be chatting with gemma's bff brian hart hoffman yes
1: Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about another podcast that I love. It's called Add Passion and Stir. Add Passion and Stir is an incredible podcast from my friends at Share Our Strength. They're the nonprofit that run the No Kid Hungry campaign, and they know a lot about food, food systems, and what it takes to change our world for the better. I was even featured in an episode last December. Every week on Add Passion and Stir, host Billy Shore talks to people from the culinary non-profit political and media worlds about the central role that food plays in so many things we care about like hunger nutrition education health entertainment and much more they talk about food not just why we love it but how central it is to the overall quality of our lives i think you'll learn something new and you'll be inspired at the same time i can tell you putting world-class chefs together with leaders from the non-profit sector creates such amazing eye-opening conversations Download an episode of Add Passion and Stir Today and check it out. You will be hooked.
0: All right, everybody, pull up your seats to At the Counter, a segment where we have a conversation with people who are doing interesting and amazing things in baking. So today, got to take a second, we have Brian Hart Hoffman, who is the editor-in-chief of Bake From Scratch. Amazing. President and CCO of Hoffman Media and the author of nine books. Is that right? It's nine, right? (laughs) By the time you add up all the volumes... (laughs)
2: Yeah. I think at this point we're at nine.
0: (laughs) That's so cool. And they're all like from cocktail to cookie collections. You've done everything. So welcome, Brian. How are you?
2: Thank you. Hi. I'm so happy to be here.
0: (laughs) I was telling you before this, but it's just so good to finally see you face to face because we've met on Clubhouse. Funny enough, who would have thought in 2021, but we met on Clubhouse and now we're here together. So
2: I know. I love that Clubhouse is bringing this new virtual live, I call it live podcasting, and it was so fun to have yeah. that like conversation with so many bakers, but then face-to-face podcasting, like I'm all about this. This is awesome.
0: <laughs> it's so fun. It's so, so fun. So, Brian... Um, please tell us we we always like to start with a question that's that doesn't necessarily have to do with baking because there's more to life. You know what I mean? Like it is our lives as baking enthusiasts, but we want to know more about you. So you were a flight attendant for many years. What is your one tip or thing or pet peeve that people should never do on airplanes?
2: Oh, you never do. You know, this could be a whole podcast episode in and of itself. Um, I think the thing I would always tell people, especially coming out of a year like we've had with the pandemic and the airline industry being a very focused, obviously affected by travel. Be kind to your flight crew. They are not the ones that delayed your airplane. They are not the ones that put the thunderstorm in the sky and. It always made a difference when the customers would notice that we were also dealing with delays and stressful situations and that they were kind as we tried to all stay in this together. To have a positive outcome. So, and then I also tell flight attendants to remember to be nice. So I I give my advice both directions. (laughs) I love
0: that. I did recently, unrelated to this question, but I did fall into a TikTok hole of flight attendant advice and it was amazing. Like I could watch that forever. Literally, it could be a podcast episode, it could be hours. Um, There's so much. The minute you see
2: this stuff, you start thinking of like actual flights you've been on and you're like, oh yeah, I've seen this. Oh, I've seen that. I mean, it just happens all the time. I jokingly say that people forget and they check their manners with their suitcase and then it's under the plane and and they're not as nice in the sky for whatever reason. So don't put your manners in the suitcase. Keep them with you. Be kind.
0: Carry on. (laughs) Carry on that kindness, y'all. Okay. Put it overhead. All right. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So um, what is the earliest thing you ever remember baking? I think I know the answer, but I'm not quite sure. And I want to know straight from you. So
2: this is a really funny story Question that you would ask this because my mom actually piped into a live class that I was doing last week and asked that I tell the story of this pound cake. Um, so I, I guess I was nine or 10. I remember seeing these cookbooks in the kitchen, and my mom's best friend, Barbara, was coming to Birmingham to visit. She worked in the business, and, and her and my mom started the company together. And I always loved when she would come from North Carolina. And I thought, I'm going to make a pound cake for them from this cookbook. And it was orange glazed pound cake, I think, if I remember right. And I was like, I'm not telling anyone. I didn't tell my dad. I was like, I'm going in the kitchen. I'm going to do this and surprise them when they walk in the door. And so I get all the ingredients. And of course, at the time, I mean, I was scooping probably so much flour and didn't know what gram measurements were and all these things. And so God only knows what all went in the bowl. But I do know this. When I got to the ingredient that called for soda, I opened a two liter of Coca-Cola and tried to pour two teaspoons of soda into the, the measuring spoon because I had no idea what baking soda was and my guess was wrong. So I made the cake and my mom saw that this pound cake was rather flat and there was no lift to the, um, to the ingredients and was very dense and they ate it and they were so happy and it tasted great. And they did what, what moms do and encourage. But then later I noticed she she said, Brian, just, I want you to tell me what went into this recipe. What were you doing? And, you know, tell me about the process. And so I was talking to her about finding all the ingredients and I stopped and I said, but mom, It is so hard to pour two teaspoons of soda from the Coca-Cola bottle. (laughs) And she knew right away what had happened. And that is one of my very first baking memories, a baking fail, but so many lessons learned from then on.
0: It is so amazing. And I don't know if you've watched um pretend it's a city on Netflix yet, but Fran Libowitz, she talks about kids oh. and how they're so like they're the the last original people on this planet because like they don't know that they're not walking cliches yet. And the fact that you were like, it's soda. It's literally soda. I just that is so funny and just related to me. It might be my, my favorite baking story, honestly, of all time. So thank you
2: <laughs> for telling yeah, it. It's yeah. you know, and we have to. <laughs> own those moments we learn own the moments we fail because that's what the building blocks of anything you know are and i, I think in baking especially if you if we've never yeah. failed we're not learning along the way because of that science and the ratios and all, you know all this could turn into a whole science class but mm-hmm. i think people get discouraged in baking so often when something doesn't turn out beautifully the first time they make it and i think it's why there's a common Statement made, I can cook, but I can't bake. Because in cooking, there's savory cooking. It's forgiving. You can add spices. You can reduce the liquids. You can do things along the way to get the outcome you want. In Mm -hmm. baking, you go into the oven and you're like, please, 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 please. And then you see it and it's too late to correct things after it's been baked. So I think there's a discouraging factor. But I say use those as the learning moments that you say, okay, go back and ask that little kid tell me the process. And you talk about your Coca-Cola being the soda and you go, oh, okay, this is how I learn. This is how I do something different. And then you build confidence and you don't hate baking.
0: Yes, it takes more than once. Like it's, it's one of those crafts where you do kind of, you don't nail it the first time every time. Just like, I don't know, like being a gymnast or something. You, you have to work at it. Um, and that's such a cool part of the process. And speaking of the process, um, when, you know, you, you were in the airline industry for a long time. So what kind of, I'm assuming that you kind of had a love for baking all along, but what really was the moment where you were like, I love baking. I want to do this. I want to dive into this.
2: So when I grew up, you know, I, I always, I guess I had a somewhat of a general interest in baking and being in the kitchen, but it wasn't like, I was like a passionate, like baker as a child. I was doing things that, you know, like the cake I made for my mom and stuff. I loved celebrations. But then when I became a flight attendant and I started eating foods from all over the world, I I thought I want to go home and recreate this. There was something about that discovery of flavor and Mm -hmm. people and culture that drove me into the kitchen with a passion where Mm -hmm. I thought this is more than just making a cake. This is saying I was in Europe and I tried this one thing and I wanted to recreate it at home with ingredients I could find, you know? And so mm. that drove my baking was to recreate the experiences from traveling. And then it just took off from there. That's when I started taking classes and sorry. Hi, Iris. You're jumping to say hi. Hi, Pop. <laughs> like, Do I you love baking? The- <laughs> yes. Hey, I love when, I love when dad bakes. Um, so yeah, the travel inspired that passion for baking and it's still is that driver. I mean, when I started bake yeah. From Scratch, I think some of the first statements I made about the brand was it's to celebrate the global baking community. And then we're going to have recipe, you know, the recipes are going to follow. But this starts mm. with a global view. Um, I believe that flavor and food breaks down barriers. It's uh, a mm. way to connect people and try something you're, you're unfamiliar with. And then you start thinking about people differently. So there's a whole greater thing. And then people smile when they're baking. There's a happiness that comes from baking. And so that travel, that taste of travel became the motivator for baking that has now launched the brand. I mean, it, 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 it all has a, a tale.
0: Oh my gosh. And Hoffman Media, which, you know, you run essentially, and it's a family. It's spanned across generations. Like it passed down from your mom to you and your brother, which is really awesome. Yeah. Um, and hopefully your brother's kids, which I read, which is really cool too. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Um, yeah. So did,
2: it did, says the niece and nephew are in training now. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
0: They're in the kitchen, too. I love it. Uh, So did you grow up with a love for writing and reading and media? I know you didn't necessarily, um, you know, you liked baking, you know, growing up, but you weren't, you know, as passionate about it until a little later on when you traveled. Did you have that love for writing and media when you were younger as well? Or was that something that came a little later, too?
2: You know, that was one of those things I look back now as an adult, and I think I was surrounded by it my entire life. And there was obviously a learning process going on without me being aware that I was somehow involved in consuming that media mm-hmm. business that my mom had started. And I remember telling people, oh, that's my mom's business. You know, i no, no, no. I'm going to be in the airline industry. I'm going to travel the world. That's what mom does but I didn't realize that I was learning and absorbing along the way. Oh, let's not play with squeaky toys. Um, I was learning and absorbing along the, welcome to the pandemic working from home, right? Oh my gosh. Um, I was learning along the way. And then when the opportunity presented itself, I realized that I was ready, that I wanted to be in the business and that I really did love it. I just hadn't put it in my head of like on the to-do list. You know, I was still going to be working flights to Paris and to uh, Puerto Vallarta and Hawaii. And I was thinking about all the destinations. And then that shifted when I realized what an opportunity it would be to work alongside my mom and my brother. Oh, my gosh. So.
0: How cool is that? And now, look, I mean, it's it's amazing. It's turned into such this crazy cool thing. And one thing I like too, that you said too, is like, you know, everyone has things that their mom says and you're like, I'm not like, that's not true. That's not true. And one of the things she said was that like, print is going to be around, like it's not going anywhere. And look, all these years later, y'all are in print 30 years later. Like that's, that's cool. And it's not the same, but it is changing. And it goes to show because Chrissy Teigen, last year, I think tweeted a photo of her holding Your print magazine. Um, And it was the pork rind and peanut butter chocolate chip recipe. And I love this about you because you love Chrissy Teigen and I love Chrissy Teigen. Um, So how psyched were you when she tweeted about this? And did someone send it to you or did you, were you just scrolling and you just were like, oh my gosh, like that's mine.
2: I, word started spreading like a wildfire in our office. So a a team member of mine was like, you're not going to believe this when I tell you, but Chrissy Teigen has tweeted this cookie page from taste of the South that she is all about it. And that this flavor combo and cookie is like something she's whatever she said, dreaming of it, or couldn't wait to have it. I was like, you are kidding that Chrissy Teigen has shared this. And then of course to go on Twitter and see all the retweets and the comments and the people that are like, I'm so here for this. I, those are some euphoric moments where you're like, Oh my gosh, you know, and and my mom has instilled that same like passion for print into the DNA of our company mm-hmm. where, you know, I can remember I started 13 years ago with the business full-time and realized there was all of these, I don't want to say outside forces, but I felt like people were constantly saying, you know, your days are numbered. I mean, soon mm-hmm. there's just not going to be any magazines. It's going to be all online. I mean, are you guys working on your digital strategy? And what I think happened was we had to start thinking multiple strategies, even though we said we are deeply committed to print, we are not seeing any shift in our readership. Numbers have never gone down to levels where we say things are changing. What's happened around us has been industry changes, like um, you know, bookstores, that have reduced their footprint. So there aren't as many, you know, brick and mortar bookstores. But now we're starting to see the independent bookstores pop back up and they're having a renaissance and we're there with them. And I'm saying, see, the industry shifted around us. We stayed steady. And then we also had to develop social, digital, podcast. All of the digital, you know, engagement opportunities had to become a part of our DNA. But we do not... And still will not see and say that there's an end to print coming, our cookbooks sell really well, our magazines sell really well. Well people are buying your product, you don't talk about it ending, you talk about it yeah. growing, so that's what we that's what we do
0: <laughs> living proof applause, applause, applause uh, and I just I love that because you still like you stick to your guns like you're like this is our truth. And we're standing in it. And yes, you all, you know, whoever's saying it may feel a certain way, but that's not our truth. Maybe for you, maybe, but not for us. And I will say, going back to Chrissy really quick, that's one thing I think I love about you and her is that you both are so real like, I just feel like you're such a real and genuine person. And with the saying this, I want to talk about two things in specific. So I feel like you have such a big heart, um, which means That's you just, you just like, don't stand for hatred and you take criticism, which I love. I, I read that you said, um, you know, you, you listen to your audience, like, which is huge. Um, but one thing I really liked is that you spoke out on Twitter against Alison Roman and you were like, I'm not featuring her in my magazines because of her comments to Chrissy and Marie Kondo. Um, so I wanted. to to ask you as a real AF person, as I call it, why is speaking out, you know, in these ways and in the baking community so important at this time and all the time?
2: So I think it goes back to that philosophy that I mentioned about a global baking community and connecting people. So I think that's, Mm -hmm. you know, when you look at airlines connect people and cultures, I was a part of that as my everyday And I think that if you look at, you know, growing up in the South, I, I, I obviously have witnessed things and heard things that I, that go against every single thing I believe and feel in my heart. And I think travel and meeting people from around the world opened my eyes to the beauty of differences and celebrating that everyone's in a different walk and everyone comes from a different culture and all of it should be celebrated and never broken down and damaged. And so Mm -hmm. I, I definitely think, you know, I spoke out about that because it was heartbreaking to see one person take on someone with vicious statements. I, Mm -hmm. I, one thing that you will find at the core of our business, at the core of my heart and the core of my brand is I may not like someone or I may not like a product or I may not like a baking pan. I will never do a negative review of someone's product. I I don't believe in exposing things that you don't like about someone or something. And if it's Mm -hmm. racially motivated, if it's divisive, if it's... None of it has a place in my life. And I in the last year, really had to decide that I was, it wasn't deciding to be committed to those things. It's deciding that you're unapologetically Mm going to stand up for what's right. And um, I've had comments from people that say, just stay in the kitchen and bake. That's why I follow you. And I'm like, well, then you can step onto the side because I'm a human being and I'm a person and I'm not a, I'm not your baker, so I don't have to do what you say. <laughs> and, secondly, <laughs> and secondly, I just know too much about the beauty of the world we're in and that I'm going to be a part of that, celebrating it and focusing on the people that make it so special and not a part of vicious takedown comments of anyone. I, I just, you know, and and maybe my comments about Allison were, People could say, "Well, look, you took her down for taking someone down. You, 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 you said something." But I think in that moment, it was a it was a heartfelt expression of like, "I have a platform," and we mm-hmm. had featured some recipes of hers in the past, and um, you know, I I made that decision that it, you can't do that and then still be like, you know, but promote me and I, I it's got to be a community of people that love and promote each other.
0: Wow. I yeah, when I saw that, oh my gosh, I'm like standing up. Standing up. I when I saw that, it's just a thing, you know, like as a minority woman, like, you know, it wasn't my community directly, but it, it means a lot to have allies. And so personally, I want to thank you too. And I'm sure so many people in the community saw that and were like, wow, thank you, Brian, for speaking up. So I thought that was really awesome of you. Um, and everything you said is so true. And it's just so beautiful. Like food is a global love language. Like we need to celebrate that, not tear people down. Um, but one thing you did say, absolutely, absolutely. And one thing you did say is um, you are from the South, as we know, it's a huge part of your identity. Um, and, we were on Clubhouse together, like I mentioned, and you talked about your Bama blackout cake, which is similar to a Brooklyn blackout cake, but has like an Alabamian spin to it. So can you tell us more about that? Because I just thought that sounded so good and I want to hear more about it.
2: So I have a deep, deep love affair with black cocoa powder. Um, It is the darkest roast. It is that Oreo flavor cookie that people always say, how do you get something chocolate to taste like the Oreo? And you're like, well, that's the black cocoa powder. So we had a recipe that we developed for our version of a Brooklyn blackout cake. And I was in love with the layers. I was in love with the pudding between the layers. I was Mm. in love with the whole thing. Until I got to the part that I needed to finish it with a whipped ganache frosting. And I enjoyed making it. I enjoyed, you know, getting the cake beautiful and ready for a party. And then I cut into it and I realized I just wasn't a fan of whipped ganache. Like the the mouthfeel, just the way it played into this cake. And so I was like, well, next time I do this, I'm going to do just a decadent chocolate buttercream throw some salt in that buttercream too, because Ooh. why not? And so I thought, well, I can't, you know, it's definitely a version of a Brooklyn blackout cake. I'm still like giving credit to the original, but I was like, well, I made this in Alabama. So I'm going to call it the Bama blackout cake. Yes, <laughs> This was Brian's, Brian's like taking all the things I loved and then adding something else I love to make it even more something I wanted. And then yeah. the results were like amazing. Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm, my mouth is drooling. I feel like I just went to the dentist and I'm like numbed at the corner. I'm just like, I need this now. Um, <laughs> but you know, as far as the South too, we, we hear a lot about like biscuits and fried chicken and soul food. And, but what are some, um, Southern dishes that you love, like quintessential Southern dishes that you just like genuinely can't live without? Maybe they are the ones people most commonly refer to. Maybe they aren't.
2: So I'm, you know, I would definitely say you're you're never going to get me to hate on fried chicken. Like I <laughs> have a soft spot in my heart for some fried chicken. So there's like a, you know, Southern <laughs> just comfort on a plate. Like I will always go to the fried chicken table if I'm at an event and there's any available.
0: Same. I'll see um, you there.
2: <laughs> and then what I put on it is uniquely Alabamian because you know, then the barbecue debate rages on about, you know, vinegar and, you know, you know, Uh. do you put sauce or do you dry rub, you Mm. know, all these things with pork. So forget the pork part of this. And I want to talk about Alabama white barbecue sauce. So not many people know about this. This is like mayonnaise, vinegar, pepper, some sugar in there. Yeah. And it originated in North Alabama Mm. and I've always loved it. And I've been, a, have had it around for so much of my life. I didn't realize it was a thing that people didn't know about. And so yeah. you talk to people when you move, you know, outside, outside of Alabama and you're like, oh, I would just love some white barbecue sauce on this. And they're like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> so it's a uniquely thing, you know, in Alabama's barbecue, like contribution to the world is this, yeah. this mayonnaise. I love mayonnaise. Like I just, so a whole other love <laughs> letter too. could be written to mayonnaise. Like I I just, I can eat mayonnaise from the jar, I think. And (laughs) so this leads me to my next Southern thing that I have not heard of anyone else ever eating is a banana and mayonnaise sandwich. So like, that's just, that's that. I've
0: never even thought, so do you you have this often or just sometimes as a treat?
2: I mean, you know, it's a comfort food that I'll have as a treat. Now as a kid, (gasps) I would ask for a banana and mayonnaise sandwich like all the time. Love oh, my it. gosh. And I a lot of people this. love banana peanut butter sandwiches. And I, I still think that's kind of something people do in the South. Maybe it might be more like widespread. I don't know. But that banana mayonnaise, like that's that's a Southern thing. And I love oh it. Oh, my God.
0: For Bake From Scratch, <laughs> have you ever done a letter from the editor about mayonnaise? I think your next one should just genuinely be a love letter. I think you're...
2: Yeah, I think you're on to something. We, we are definitely planning a baking with mayonnaise story coming up because mayonnaise can be amazing in chocolate cake. It can be amazing. in, um, like I think some cookie dough, like we, you know, we put cream cheese, we do sour cream and all these things. And I'm like, but that tang that we love from, you know, the buttermilk side of things, and mm-hmm. you get that in the mayonnaise, you get a really nice little tang. And I'm thinking, like, there's so much we can do. So we are working on a baking with mayonnaise story, and then I'll be able to write my love letter to mayonnaise at the <gasps> editor's letter.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I will be reading that. Let me tell you, it's very hard to live with someone who does not like mayonnaise. Like, when I have to cook, I have to <sighs> put my own my own little separate <laughs> everything. It's, yep. it's It's tough. But I mean... Shout out to mayonnaise! Thank you for being you. Um, so, at the end of the day, what does southern baking mean to you? Like, what is the heart of southern baking?
2: Southern baking, I, you know, it, it it it's like drawing those lines around things, and I start to feel like, is it going to be you know, misspeaking to say something is southern mm-hmm. when it 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 actually lives like way beyond. But we, you know, biscuits, cornbread, those are the like breads of the South. I think you hear so many people talk about, you know, family meals and you're going to have your, you Mm. know, biscuits and cornbread. But for me, my grandmother always made angel biscuits. Um, And those are biscuits with yeast in the biscuits. So it's somewhere between a buttermilk biscuit meets a dinner roll and we would have it at holiday time. So- I think about things like that when it's, you know, it's personal. So for me, it's family and maybe Southern too along the way. But I think about like angel biscuits for sure. It's like something a Southern baker should know. And then, you know, it's not even Southern, but I think Southerners have adapted and loved it to make it now Southern. Um, mm. The hummingbird cake will always and forever be my number one most favorite cake to make. and. Mm you know, the roots of the hummingbird cake are, they can be traced back to Jamaica. And so there's a Caribbean introduction of something that people said it was sweet. is like hummingbird nectar or something like that. I think there's, you mm-hmm. know, of course, when you start digging back, you think, am I giving the right story? Cause there's five different versions I'm yeah. finding online and in my yeah. research, <laughs> but, um, I can't even remember her name, but, um, a Southern woman made this cake, um, Very famous in the South with bananas, pineapple. Optional to have pecans, spices Mm. that kind of mimic something you would find in a spice cake, um, and then a cream cheese frosting. So you get that level of combination going, and it's it's a next level scenario that you know i I love hummingbird cake. And if you look at any of my social media, or even bake from scratch for that matter, you'll find so many hummingbird cake iterations right now that you'll be like, Brian obviously is obsessed with hummingbird cake.
0: (laughs) Next level is the
2: the cover of our current issue, the May, June issue. I think it's the, no, the March, April issue of bake from scratch. The cover is a banana hummingbird, a banana pudding hummingbird layer cake. So it's all of my favorite things. Taking the love of banana pudding, the love of a hummingbird cake, giving it this really great life. And then again, the pudding between the layers, there's like a secret trick to a perfect cake.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm moving to Alabama. Let me pack up my things. I'm not that far, I guess. I'll see you tomorrow. It's fine. Um, So you talked a little bit about family and social media. So please tell us about your Pop-Tart and Willow tradition, because I think this is just the most adorable, (laughs) best thing ever. (laughs)
2: Okay, so I think the pandemic and being home so much has brought about a dig into nostalgia. And we've watched every television show you can think of. I've watched all the movies that I can watch. There's a lot of time spent consuming uh, media. And so... My husband, Steven and I decided one night, I was like, let's watch a throwback movie. Like, let's do something just like the childhood, like nostalgia. Um, and he was like, okay, what do you have in mind? And I said, what if we watch Willow? I was like, have you watched Willow in a long time? And he was like, where did this come from? And I said, I don't know, but <laughs> I have a of my soul. <laughs> I, I was like, Willow like, reminds me of my twin brother and I watching yeah. a movie on a weekend when we were young. And for whatever reason, I remember eating the frosted chocolate Pop-Tarts during that movie. And so maybe it was my, I, I've always loved Pop-Tarts too, like chocolate and strawberry yes. ice, like top two favorite flavors, hands down. Oh,
0: yes, I agree. And
2: I think my mom would let me have those like as a treat when I was a kid. So like during movies, if I'm like, oh, can I eat some Pop-Tarts instead of like wanting cookies or chips or anything? I'm like going to the pastry, you know, the breakfast pastries. <laughs> um, and side note, I do not toast my Pop-Tarts. I eat me them just either. straight from the package. I yes.
0: thought I was crazy. Thank you. Thank you. You're I love not. it. There's so we much know softer, the I feel like. Yes. Yes. There's soft. It's good. I feel like it's they're creamy. Mm.
2: Yes. I like this. This is exactly why you and I were meant to do this today. We've Kindred discovered spirits. all these things. <laughs>
0: yes. I feel so validated. Thank you.
2: <laughs> so Steven and I did this, bent, this like throwback movie night and I got in my car and I thought, you know what I'm going to do? Because reels had just started on Instagram. And I thought, <laughs> I'm going to do a reel of my experience and watching this movie. And I thought this is just to be totally funny no, obviously no baking, no anything, but just like entertainment. So I, you know, start recording these little video segments and I'm in the grocery store picking out my box of Pop-Tarts. And then there's like, you know, a clip of me like taking a bite. And then I turn the camera and the Pop-Tarts in front of the screen and it says Willow. So I share this in my social media, just thinking, let's see what happens. You know, Instagram's obviously, skewing the algorithm for people with Mm -hmm. reels to get more like visibility because they want you to see the new thing you're doing. This video had, I mean, it went crazy viral on like willow fans were like coming out (laughs) of the woodwork.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: Like pop tart fans (laughs) coming out, like talking all about like how much they love the chocolate pop tart. I mean, it just brought like nostalgia and like groupies together to like share yes. this thing. And, and then a friend of mine said that she has a memory of watching a movie and uh, eating something else. Like, I can't remember what the specific food was. And I said, gosh, I'd love to start a thread of people yes. that like have a memory. You know, we think of songs and emotions and you're like, oh, I heard this song the day I got married, or I heard this song when I was on vacation or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, what about foods you were eating?
0: Yes. And memories of like
2: a movie or a TV show or something. So right. So I did it. I shared with the whole world my love affair of pop charts uh, and Willow. <laughs>
0: and everyone who commented was a no toast fan. Just like us. Oh, yeah. It was the, you know, we are out there.
2: There's lots of us out there.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's, it's so true. Food is just and just baking is. And, and social media, especially in that community, it's like social media is not all bad. It really starts a conversation, um, especially when you share a memory like this. And just so you know, um, a series is coming out. I don't know if you know this, but they're doing a Willow series on Disney Plus. It's I, coming out, I think, I, this year.
2: I saw someone commented, I think, like, <laughs> ironic timing. There's actually something right? coming back out for Willow. So, yeah, e- exciting times. To i feel stock like, up on the Pop-Tarts.
0: <laughs> yes, I feel like you willed this into existence, honestly, so... Thank you for that, too. You're really just like the gift that keeps <laughs> well, you're giving. you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> the gift that keeps giving. So, um, you know, we're getting close to the end here. And I just want to say, to Bake from Scratch and um, Hoffa Media, they feature, you know, you said that you feature movers and shakers that are in today's baking culture. And so I wanted to ask you before we go, what do you consider moving and shaking in baking in your own way, in your own baking?
2: I think... To be a mover and shaker, you are doing more than just putting a recipe on a page. I, mm. um, I think you're having dialogue. I think you're having conversation. I think you're introducing new ideas to the world. You're wanting it to be relevant to, again, that bond connecting people. I think people Mm -hmm. that are dedicated and hardworking and they love and promote each other and they know that we're in a baking community and we're not in a baking competition. Mm -hmm. um, I think those are the movers and shakers. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, the friendships I formed just through the baking community alone, go back to this message of people that want to share something that creates happiness. I I feel like baking, when have you ever baked for someone and they frowned? I mean, yeah. they don't. You smile when you're done, unless it was that baking fail, but you learn something. And then the people you share your baking with, they smile. And to be a mover and shaker, I think you've just got to, you know, you're willing to push in a direction that's bringing people together and share love, give love, engage a community of people that are learning to bake together. They're baking together mm-hmm. because they're friends. They're just, it's it's that Connectivity. I'll always go back to this. It's all about connectivity.
0: Yes, it is. Also, you know, when you were flight attendant, you did a lot of travel. But even outside of that, you've done a lot of travel. And you went to Ireland. That was like a little over a year ago, which is like crazy. I can't believe we're at you know the year mark of all of this. But (laughs) did you hit up Gemma with tips?
2: And what was your
0: favorite thing you
2: had while you were there? So Gemma was my definite first like text. Like, hi Gemma, I'm headed to Ireland. Um, we're creating an Irish-themed issue of Bake from Scratch. Um, we're working with Tourism Ireland, William sonoma and it was such a fun project to do. Um, but I definitely sent Gemma the, like, here's what we're thinking. Here's all of the places we're going. Tell me what you think I need to do. And she wrote back, I think, and was like, you're actually hitting, like, a lot of the top spots. Like, you're on a great agenda. Um, and I, again, I'll just go back to the people. I, Mm -hmm. it it was amazing to stay in castles. It was amazing to, um, you know, visit new places. Uh, you know, the travel bug is like alive and well. So it's just like everywhere I go, I absorb, I'm thinking like, you know, what new thing can I try? What new person can I meet? What is going to push me outside of a, a comfort zone that I'm, that I'm accustomed to? Um, And it's not necessarily baking related. Well, I'll get it back to baking related, but, you know, I've never been a big like whiskey drinker, you know, and you think Uh like, okay, I'm in Ireland. um, I want to be open to this. So we went to um, Powers Court Distillery in County Wicklow, and they offered this big like whiskey tasting where we sat down at the table and they had poured like three of their whiskeys. And I was like, Oh goodness. I don't want to be disrespectful. I hope I like this. I don't want to make, yeah. I'm very, as you know, I'm very animated and you can read my expressions very easily on my face. So I was thinking, please let this be something that, you know, is it, that's good that I'll like. And with the first sip, I fell in love with this oh. Irish whiskey and I was so glad that I said, yes, I'm going to do this. And I always feel that way. Say yes for the first thing. And if you really don't like something, it's okay. You're not going to love every single thing you taste or experience. But um, I said yes. And then I ended up buying bottles to bring home. (laughs) So I I I, I definitely decided I liked it. Uh, Um, And then used it in some baking, actually. I mm. made cookies and some cakes and, and added some whiskey. Um, and, and Gemma approved. I I verified with her, like, this is the right way to think about this. Right. And Gemma's like, you're, you're on this.
0: (laughs) He's Gemma verified. (laughs) Amazing. Well, this is so great. This was so much fun. Thank you for coming on the show. But before we close out officially, we always like to do a speed round, a lightning round. So I love it. I, this is one of my favorite parts. So I'm just going to read, you know, a few questions and don't think too hard. Just first thing that comes to mind, just Put it all out there. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. In three, two, your favorite baking utensil.
2: Oh, uh, my offset spatula.
0: Ooh, your favorite childhood treat, which I think we know.
2: <laughs> We're going to say chocolate Pop-Tarts. <laughs> and Applejack <laughs> cereal. Applejack cereal. Oh, yeah. so.
0: One of the top three, for sure. Maybe top yep. two. I don't know. It's a toss-up. It's a toss-up for me. Um, favorite late night snack?
2: Ooh. Does vodka count? Um, okay. <laughs> late night snack. Yes. <laughs> uh, whatever's on the cake plate. You know, I'm a like, a like a nosh at the end of the day. So whatever I've been making and baking, if it's sitting out, I'm going to stop by and have like a little late night bite.
0: Oh my gosh. Amazing. Your favorite baking show?
2: Oh, my favorite baking show? Oh, that one's too. I don't know. I can't. I don't. I, I can't uh, answer. I, I'm going to say of all of them. <laughs> all of them. Just putting baking, putting baking into the world. All of them.
0: I like that answer. Favorite person to bake for.
2: Oh, my Mimi, my 93 year old grandmother. Yeah. Oh,
0: my gosh. that's amazing. I like Mimi. My my grandmother's Nana. I love when everyone has different names. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And your, your least favorite baking question to really turn it
2: around. My least favorite baking question is when you're teaching something or you have a recipe and the first comment is, how can I make this vegan? How can I make this gluten-free? How can I make this (sighs) substitute, substitute, substitute? Because I always say, if I haven't tested it with those variations, I can't answer it with certainty. And so I want people to find the confidence to try things on their own find a product like a gluten-free one-to-one flour that works beautifully as a substitute. But if I haven't tried it, I can't tell you how to do it. I'm telling you how to do the one I just showed you. (laughs) You're like, well, no, I've got this recipe for you. Why do we have to talk about a variation of this? So, um, you know, under, and there are so many experts in gluten-free, vegan, and other, you know, methods of baking that I want you to turn to other experts. I want to be good at what I do, I can't be the answer to all of it because this community is made up of people that have their expertise and their passions and they have such good information that go to them for things that fit your, you know, your requirements or your desires in alternative, you know, methods to a recipe I've created and and we'll help build that community together.
0: Oh, that was Beautiful, I love it. Uh, and the number one thing you've learned from baking:
2: persistence and practice pay off. Um, you think about those baking fails. You think about day one, um, and it, you look back at maybe your first photo you posted on Instagram, and you think, "Oh my goodness, I can't believe I shared this." Oh. Uh, but I think in baking, having an open mind for learning and knowing your building blocks. Uh, it's like you were saying earlier about a gymnast. They don't go in day one and do the double uneven bars and dismount with a perfect score. That'd be um, crazy. <laughs> don't st- don't start with croissants. Like that's not your first thing you're making. You need to start with something that has less, you know, precision and then start to understand what dough feels like, what batter looks like, how it bakes, how your oven bakes, get to know your mm. oven. I don't know your oven, only you can know your oven. <laughs> Um, so I think it's those things in baking, you learn your lessons as you go and let them be building blocks and don't let the moments that the the cake collapses or the bread burns Mm. or the dough doesn't rise. Don't let those be the reasons you stop. Let them be the reasons you keep going. So I know for me, that's what I've had to do.
0: Oh, this is amazing. Thank you so much. So like you said, I mean, a quick recap, be persistent, be a mover, be a shaker, be kind and say yes. Like those are the four Brian Hart Hoffman keys to life. And I think (laughs) we'd all just be happy. I'll take that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Where can everybody find you?
2: Oh, you can find me at uh, Brian Hart Hoffman on Instagram and the bake feed. So that's the bake from scratch brand. And then of course, bakefromscratch.com. For recipes, nice. a shop. You can sign up for baking retreats when travel resumes, bring us back to in-person <gasps> baking. And yeah. And then you can sign up for live baking classes. I teach every Monday night with William Sonoma and Gemma is joining me next week for St. Patrick's Day, Irish baking. Um, so yeah, I, I love teaching. I love connecting with people and, and I can't wait for Gemma to be in the in the virtual kitchen with me.
0: <laughs> Amazing. I will be there. I can't wait for that. Um, and you can all find me on Instagram at yours truly Mia. You can find me on Twitter at hot mess Mia because it's a hot mess over there. Um, and thank you so much for watching and listening to this week's episode of Need to Know. Don't forget, we're baby, we're new podcast, So be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars wherever you listen, leave a comment with what you want to see next week. Maybe it's a Bama blackout cake. I don't know. I mean, I want to see that. <laughs> so thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you you all next week. Bye. Bye, Brian.
2: Bye. Thanks. It was fun.